I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, the fastest way to improve performance. What makes an outstanding performance review? Formula One, the epitome of peak performance in professional sport. There are 10 teams, 20 cars, so each team has two drivers. There's a series on Netflix at the moment about Formula One, and I totally recommend it. It's this fly-on-the-wall documentary about the teams and the drivers. So for those of you who don't know anything about Formula One, one of the top teams is Red Bull Racing, and the guy in charge of Red Bull is Christian Horner. To win in Formula One, you need two things, the fastest car and two fantastic drivers, one for each car. So back in 2018, Christian Horner has a difficult dilemma. He's got a fast car. He's got one very fast driver, Max Verstappen. His problem is Red Bull's second driver, the Frenchman Pierre Gasly, he's underperforming. So the question Christian Horner has is how do I improve Gasly's performance so that we have two fast cars. This is what Horner said to Gasly. Stop focusing on the data, drive the car, and at this level, it's intuition that counts. I think that's fascinating coming from a sport, indeed an industry, that depends on data, data analytics and measurement. And yet here was the leading man in one of the leading teams telling their driver to use his intuition. That's a bit like Yoda telling Luke Skywalker to feel the force. But before you throw away this soft side of Red Bull and the soft side of Christian Horner, let's look at how you can drive people crazy with performance data because it can make people mad. Performance improvement has become this bureaucratic art form in way too many global companies. One of the things I say to global companies is stop filling in forms. One of the drivers is this push towards standardization. Part of that is turning IT and HR into shared services so that they stretch across the global organization. And I think form filling is simply justifying the role of shared services. So let me give you a specific example of where it goes wrong. This is a global engineering company and they assess their managers using four main criteria. The first criteria is motivation. The second is the global skill set of their managers, so the skills the managers use. The third is efficiency. And the fourth is innovation, so new ideas. So here's a question for you. Ask yourself this. What's missing from that group of four? Motivation, skill set, efficiency and innovation. Because to me, it's glaringly obvious. Effectiveness. They don't ask their managers on their performance improvement process, do you achieve your goal? The whole global engineering company doesn't ask anybody if they achieve their goal. And this madness gets even worse because the success of the process was judged or evaluated by the percentage of forms that were completed in each country. To sum up, they analysed irrelevant facts and they measured the wrong things. This 
His professionalization of bureaucracy is not new. Social scientists have been talking about this for a hundred years or more. Max Weber was talking about this in 1920. The big weakness of forms, and particularly form filling, is they provide data, but it's historical data. And the number one way to stop filling in forms is to focus on the future. That's the fastest way to improve performance. And let me show you how to do it. You can break it down into three big steps, and that's the easiest process to improve performance. So step one, set a clear goal that's an ambitious goal. To make it clear, break larger goals down into 30, 60 or 90 days. Anything else is too far out. The second point around clarity is ask yourself, how does this goal fit with our wider strategy? Because the links to strategy need to be there. They don't need to be perfect, but there needs to be a link. And the third point around clarity is people say to me, how do I know when the goal's clear? It's quite simple. The people that report to you, you hear it in their speech. You see it in what they write. So break the larger goal down, fit it to the strategy, listen for it in direct reports. What about an ambitious goal? An ambitious goal is all about stretching. It's about going that little bit further. It's about getting a bit uncomfortable. So that's step one, clear, ambitious goal. The second big step is no more than three goals. Red Bull and Christian Horner is a great example of this. He knew that Pierre Gasly had to build his confidence to achieve his potential. And Horner gave Gasly three clear goals. Number one, just drive the car, use your intuition. That was his Yoda piece. Number two, stop looking at so much data. In other words, stop overanalyzing everything. That's paralysis by analysis. And number three, stop looking at social media because there's too much negativity on social media. And what was interesting is Horner kept repeating these three goals. Drive the car, use your intuition, stop looking at the data, get off social media. The third big step is dialogue and follow-up, or as I prefer to call it, understand and explore. And let me talk you through a quick example of what that looks like. So a director at a global software company that I work with, he leads a business unit with 600 people across 11 countries. 18 people report directly to him. So he really influences those 600 people through primarily the 18 direct reports. And this is what he does. He sets aside two days every six months to speak to each of the 18 people. So that's the setup. The purpose, he only has two points on his agenda. Number one, understand what they need to achieve their goals on time. And number two, explore ways to get there faster. And I've seen this agenda, the words understand and explore are underlined. So it's clear what the meeting is about. And I've been lucky enough to sit in on one of the meetings. And these are my notes. There's no evaluation. There's very little note taking. There's no filling in of forms. So the director is immediately stripped out the bureaucracy and is keeping it to the absolute minimum. Secondly, his ask-tell ratio is very high. I would say it's three to four times the average. And the ask-tell ratio is simply the number of questions asked compared to the number of statements made. So he asks a lot of questions. A third big difference is the style. It's completely different to normal performance reviews. 
What comes over is this sense of a meeting as a problem-solving, joint exploration, joint understanding of how to make things better. The responsibility is clearly with the manager, not with the director, but there's this sense of working together to solve the problem. And the fourth big difference is the outcome. The agreements are action points. And specifically, it's action points where the manager knows he will need resources that he hasn't got, but the director has. Or it's where he needs the director's authority and power to make things happen. And I have to say, this is really wonderful, rich discussion. And it's proof that the performance improvement process can be made faster and done in a constructive way. So how would I sum it all up? These would be the key points. Number one, don't go mad with data and data analytics. Even in Formula One, Red Bull don't rely only on data analytics. Then you need a clear goal and put some ambition on it, connect it to your strategy. Then you need to understand and explore through dialogue, through FaceTime and follow-up. Do all of those and the effectiveness of your global business unit will be sky high. I'm Stephen Hunt. If you'd like to find out more about me or the services that I offer, please go to stephenhunt.net or find me on LinkedIn. You'll find more resources there on the themes we cover in this podcast. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business.